Good morning. This is Jose Jones. Hey, this is Kyle Meredith. For What's up, Kyle? How are you? Great, man. I'm way more awake than I was at 10, so <laughs> you're in luck. <laughs> I'll take that as a win already. Uh, I'm really happy to be talking to you. You've put out a fantastic record with Love in a Time of Madness. Thanks, man. With this record, we'll start with the easy stuff, the, the story that you're probably used to telling right now, but uh, that's how this record kind of comes about, because as I read, it starts with you just digging through the Blue Note archives, right? Exactly. Yeah, you know, I take being on Blue Note really seriously. Um, I'm a huge fan of the label. I'm a huge fan of the history. And I really love that Mad Lib album where he goes into the crates, and um, he actually called it one of his favorite top albums of all time. So... It's kind of full circle for me because I learned about jazz through hip hop. And so I started kind of doing the reverse, like listening to the full albums of the Donald Birds and the Ronnie Laws and all that stuff. And it was amazing, man, you know, to, to hear this whole kind of wealth of catalog from the 70s that was in a way more funk than jazz, you know. Mm-hmm. So that kind of kicked it all off. In, in a way, I felt like that kind of gave me the artistic permission to drop something really fresh on Blue Note. It's, it's cool to hear someone talk specifically about a record label like that. Like It's, it's really nice that you got a lot of pride in you know, your, your home label, but I, I feel like today the name of the label seems to have lost, uh, I don't know, a bit of the romance that it had in the early days when people would kind of treat it like you were doing right here. Yeah, I mean, I think that has to do with Don Waz, honestly, because you know, he stepped into the, the job as president with that musical weight as well, you know, like coming from Detroit, knowing the, the musicians, you know, being a musician himself, loving, you know, oh, the drummer on, on that Blake, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. our Blakey or whatever, like really knowing the history, that, that drives it, man. You know, Blue Note is still Blue Note, and we still have a music lover at the helm, so it's pretty cool. So yeah. as the rest of the story goes, you're... Um a fellow that comes from this, you know, critically lauded jazz background, uh, who gets his love from hip hop and ends up putting out an R and B record. Right. <laughs> no, just like growing up in, in Minneapolis, um, you know, my first my first album on, on vinyl was Purple Rain, you know, so I think growing up in that sort of like little big town with uh you know, you had the rock happening, you had amazing soul and R&B. You had a cool jazz scene. But, I mean, jazz in the 80s was kind of weird. You know what I mean? It was like fusion. It was like Mm -hmm. funk. Mm -hmm. It wasn't straight ahead. You know, and I think anybody who kind of came up with with jazz in the 80s and 90s, it was a different thing, you know. And then you had Buckshot LaFunk and all that kind of stuff, you know. So, you know, it's always been like a big, connected, funky thing for me. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Well, how was it then for your vocals, though? Because uh, as I've read, it, it took a little, I don't know, it's shifting gears, right? For you to learn how to sing the way this record came out. Definitely. Um, well, I was reading Quincy Jones' autobiography, and one of my favorite uh, passages is when he talks about working with Michael Jackson, producing uh, Off the Wall. And the first thing he told Michael was, you need to take voice lessons. And that always really struck me first that Quincy asked him to do that and second that Michael actually did it you know because he was such a big star and you know you think today a, a young singer with his first debut album that's the last thing he's going to want to hear or do you know so I you know I took that to heart 
I started taking voice lessons with a guy named Jim Carson here in New York, who's amazing, and really said, let me make this a full transition stylistically. Um, so, I mean, I think you can hear on the album, my range is way bigger than anything I've ever done. And um, yeah, stylistically, I learned from a lot of the producers and writers, you know, Molly Music, Terrio. It really is a pop album in the sense of production. You know, like we went over every take, you know, again and again and again until it was really feeling authentic and right to us. Um, not just not just stylistically, but emotionally mm-hmm. as well, you know. Yeah, you can tell that all the way through it. I mean, it'll, it'll, it'll take you on a ride. And, and for such a strong theme that you've got going, too, with the, the title that really does set up the rest of the record, you know, with Love in a Time of Madness. I mean, you know, I look at that, and, of course, my very first question is a question I think a lot of us are asking, which is, can we? How do we <laughs> get to that, get to the love with all of the madness? Yeah, I think that's the most important thing right now. You know, it's like, you know, I have a lot of friends in, in different aspects of, of culture and society, and we're all asking that question, man, you know, whether you're in finance or politics or music. I think it, it matters more, you know? Mm-hmm. The choices that we make matter more. And I think in times like this, you realize every choice is political. You know, every dollar you spend, um, every phone call you make, every job you accept, um, every place you play and person you talk to, it is political because it's become so intensely personal. You know what I mean? Um, so it's, it's an exciting time as well. You know, I think, um, you know, I'm a student of history. We've, we've been through bleak points in history before, you know, and I think we tend to sort of forget that. Um, how many times have we been on the brink of destroying ourselves? <laughs> and here we are again, you know, so you know, the bright spot, again, is just remembering what, what drives us and what is important, what we want to save for the future. I mean, that's, that's true, because when you look back, most great moments of change happened at really bad moments in time. It just, it's, it's unfortunate that you have to live those bad moments in time to get to the great moments of change. Uh, so I'm yeah. optimistic like you are with that one, uh, and I'm glad to hear you, know, you saying those things anyway. And uh, oh, thanks, man. Yeah, we, like when you were doing the, um, I don't know, the write up on your Facebook when, uh, of the album's release. You know, to go along with all of that, you'd kind of made mentioned about being a child of immigrants, which is a very, you know, there's a lot of, of course, that's everywhere in every news headline right now. But it seems like that's more important than ever to tell that part of your story at this moment in history. Did you feel like that? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, my dad. Uh, is a direct immigrant from, from Panama, grew up in Panama City. And, you know, of course, he's, he has his green card now and he's been living in the States a long time. But, you know, if, um, if the time was a little bit different, you know, for his immigration, I might be sent back along with him. You know, it's pretty real to me. Um, and it's, and it's a painful moment, I think, for America where we have to really do some soul searching and say like, where do we, where do we draw these lines, you know, between our idea of safety and our idea of community. I mean, my idea of safety is uh, a strong multicultural uh, world view of, of humanity. You know, that's the America I love. That's the America that I seek to, to create through my music and musical community. 
Um, so it's, it's super real, man. I mean, I have a lot of friends who are scared and I think the real fear is that nobody knows what this rhetoric is leading to, you know, you know, for that, you know, as a, as an artist, as a creative person, seeing as how these songs were probably written, you know, quite a while ago and you're on the move for another record already. I mean, do you sense that this next record is going to be reflective of any of this? I think it has to. Absolutely. You know, I think um, I've been listening a lot to, you know, like what's going on and albums like that. You know, everything is, is again, it, it's a it's a political choice. Everything that we talk about now um, is just leading towards that. There's no way to escape it, you know. Um, even the, the, the brands and the sponsors who are promoting your show, like every single thing is like this critical choice you have to make as an artist. So, you know, I think anybody with any awareness has to say what's, what's on their mind right now. Yeah. And people really appreciate knowing where artists stands. Yeah, I think that's the cool thing about 2017. It's like you can actually let people know where you stand, what went behind, you know, making a video, who directs it why you made that choice, and that's super cool. It kind of does put this record in an interesting spot, though, too, because, uh, again, how, I don't know how long ago these songs were written. I'm going to guess that you probably started on these within a year or two ago, right? Yeah. And then everything that you say about it now, you know, is it, it's almost like it has to catch up with the times immediately. I don't know if that's mm. fair for a song or not, and I don't even know if you feel that way, but I know that's... Uh, that's a potential problem. Like you said, if you're shooting a music video and the music video is something that has to do with the, the here and now for a song that was written quite a long time before it, it just kind of puts every piece of art like that in a, I don't know, possibly compromised position, I guess. Well, I mean, Trump was the nominee at the time, you know, which was, that was scary enough for me. You know what I mean? That was scary enough. Was like, okay. You know, and Brexit, the Brexit vote had gone through as well. Mm-hmm. And I remember getting these just panicked phone calls from friends in London, like, fuck, <laughs> what the hell is happening? You know? And I, you know, them pretty candidly saying, I hope this doesn't happen to you. So I think really the heartbreak for me is pretty fresh and I've been living it since then. You know, it, it's, we're sort of living what we hoped wouldn't happen when we were writing the songs, but the fear was already there for sure. Right. You know, and, and, you know, I shouldn't get too far away from this album because the, you know, like I said, the songs totally stand on their own and and they're fantastic. I mean, I've got my favorites in there with last night and to be with you. I mean, it's really is some of your strongest work and, and completely different as every critic will point out that you do every time. So, which is my favorite type of artist, you know, I'm, like I'm in the long run for the ones who will change it up and and make me work for it a little bit. Which, oh, thanks, man. You, know, you team. Uh, beyond that, um, of course, you got the uh, the Fifty Shades. You're in the sequel. Is there more acting in your future beyond that? I certainly hope so. You know, I, I got that bug, man. When I saw myself on the, the big screen, I got that same kind of buzz that I got when I had my first experience singing with a real band when I was like 16, 17 in high school, you know, like a professional band came to school and I got to sit in with them and it was like, wow, like this is, this is what it really is about, you know? So I'm definitely going to pursue that. Um, yeah, I, I sort of gave myself like the, 
ultimatum. Like if I look okay on screen, I'm going to keep doing this. If I look terrible, cause you just never know. You right. know what I mean? Right. Um, but I feel, I feel really good about it. I've gotten an amazing response, which surprised me. So yeah, you never know, man. You so, might, I might be in, in, uh, something coming up soon. Yeah. I, I'd love to see that too. And, and I also saw that you did a, a little collaboration on the new Goldie record, right? I did. Yeah. That's he, awesome. um, he's back, you know, I mean, I love Goldie and, and, you know, he's such a Don and we've been friends for a few years. Um, and, you know, David Bowie passed, obviously, and he wanted to do something paying tribute to him. So he remade the track that they wrote together and asked me to sing on it, which was a huge honor. And, um, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting time, you know, to, to lose Bowie and Leonard Cohen and Prince and, you know, so many singers. I mean, it's just like such a critical time for music and for artists, I think, to step forward and claim that space, you know. I'm seeing it more and more. I mean, you know, we're all music obsessives, or I'd like to hope we are in this business. <laughs> and I think know, so. <laughs> you know, to kind of, um, I don't know. You're right because it's it, what I what, what I keep hearing. It's it's something like you know the kindling is there and the sparks are being set on top of it. So I don't know. There's a lot of cool stuff happening out there right now, and I'm glad you're part of it, sir. I love that. Yeah, kindling, yeah, that's great. So, um, well, cool, man. Well, that's, uh, that's it. Thank you so much for the time today. And again, congrats on uh, Love and a Time of Madness. I love what you're doing, and I can't wait to, to hear and see what you got coming up next. Awesome, man. Thanks for the call, and have a great day. You too. Take care. You too.